0: The Way Out Podcast, Episode 14.
1: Right around 16, 17 is when I seriously started to to drink to get drunk and and to get that feeling that you that you that you liked so much back in the, in, in the early days of, of drinking. Right, uh, it made you uh, do crazy things and made you kind of fit into the crowd and, and gave you all those uh, those feelings that uh, that we thought were were good things. From that point on, throughout the rest of my life, I searched for that. That feeling that I could get where I was sort of like out of my own head, and out of my own um, my own way, if you will. Uh, I snuck drugs from my mom and my, my oldest sister a lot, just, and not even knowing what they were, but I would take them just to see what kind of a feeling they'd give me. And uh, so, um, you know, there's this uh, propensity for me to to want to numb myself down for whatever reason that, that was, and, uh, and and that's kind of been a a common thread throughout my entire life my 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 addictive life anyway uh, i used to wake up the next morning after doing uh, a whole bunch of coke the night before and just look at myself in the mirror and think jesus what a waste of life what an absolute waste of life and yet that wasn't enough to stop uh, stopping from from doing it again another day the next day day after two days down the road whatever as you go through this whole thing of trying to figure out a way to get yourself sober before you get into a recovery program you'll try anything to stop you know if you get to that point where you want to try to do it yourself uh, i would i would say well i'm just going to smoke weed and that's it and then of course weed would lead me right back to beer beer would lead me right back to hard alcohol and hard alcohol would lead me right back into the shithole again uh, if i stopped drinking i was i was vomiting my guts out and shaking like so bad that i couldn't hold a pencil on my hand i couldn't dial a phone i couldn't i could barely stand up long enough to take a shower so uh it it took took every choice I had away I, I reached that level in my life where I said I got to do something or I'm going to die and literally I was close to that I really was I, I think I if I continued on I probably really would not be good I was willing to go to any and I was willing to uh, not just step a, not just put a big toe into the program I was I was willing to put both feet in fully and uh, and that's that's the big difference for me was I said, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it in a big way, and I'm going to keep doing it as long as I live, and I tell you what, I'm a much happier person than I've ever been in my 58 years on this planet, Um, so uh, it works if you work it, it really does.
0: Welcome. Thank you for joining us on this week's installment of The Way Out, sharing stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. The Way Out does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. Our purpose is to share with you, one episode at a time, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. The Way Out is sponsored by Transitions Daily. Would you like to receive the most popular AA Daily devotions free in one distribution? Transitions Daily delivers daily devotions from 24 hours a day, AA A. Thought for the Day, Daily Reflections, Big Book Quote, Just for Today, As Bill Sees It, plus more. You can get our distribution daily via email, private Facebook group, or Twitter. Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. The Way Out Podcast is on now. I'm your host, Charlie L. This week, we'll hear the experience, strength, and hope of John. John, welcome to The Way Out Podcast. Thanks. Nice to be here. I wanted to let the audience know you have now been my sponsor officially for, uh, if I can do math correctly, 20 months. Wow. that sound about right to you? Has it been that long? <laughs> Seems longer. It does. does. The feeling is actually pretty mutual. Um, So thank you so much for coming and being a part of the way out podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You bet. And we've talked about the mission of the podcast, uh, which is really to share the experience, strength and hope of uh, uh, people in long-term recovery uh, so that uh, others might also be able to find uh, their way uh, to recovery. Um, I met you through a mutual friend of ours and, uh, who's now my grand sponsor. Uh, and, uh, you took me through all 12 steps and gave me the, uh, tools that I needed based on, uh, what you learned in recovery. And, uh, you were able to pass that on to me. Uh, and for that, I'll be, uh, eternally grateful, uh, knowing that, um, You know, that's what we do. We pass this thing along because we can't hope to keep our recovery unless we uh, are actively looking for ways to pass what we've gotten and what was so freely given to us to other people. Well, I'll
1: just tell you what I what I tell everybody else. And that (laughs) is that um, giving back to the program is really what keeps me sober. And uh, so it's kind of a selfish thing, really, when I give back to uh, people like yourself and anybody else that I sponsor or work with in this program. It, it uh, uh, provides me with uh, with what I need to, to kind of work my program as well. So uh, the feeling is mutual. Thank you, my friend, for, for allowing me to sponsor you, because uh, it's been a great relationship. And I have to say, you were, you were a fast learner, too. You picked things up pretty quick, and uh, uh, we didn't struggle too hard with anything except maybe step four and five a little bit.
0: Four and five uh, were uh, not uh, initially the steps that I was (laughs) looking forward to. Let's just put it that way. The gift that I got this time in recovery, and I've had several attempts at recovery, and I think a lot of us have. Oh, yeah. So uh, rare indeed is the individual who's able to uh, grab onto this thing for the very first time and stay uh, in recovery uh, uh, for the rest of their lives. Many of us uh, are slow learners, and we need to get to a place where we're ready to really recover. And I got that gift. I got that, so I can't take credit for that. And yeah, we call that, before. we call that the gift of desperation, that's right? That's what it is, brother, yep. and that's what it is. I got that gift of desperation and a gift I didn't think I was going to get, to be quite honest. And I got it, and uh, I just... Um, uh, did whatever I could in order to get better. What I wanted to do is uh, uh, sh- learn a little bit about you. Um, it, we've uh, um, had our sponsor-sponsee relationship for going on now two years, and I'm familiar with your story. But I, 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 you've got an amazing story, an amazing gift to be able to pass that story along, and uh, so I wanted to, uh, you know, talk about what it was like to be John. Uh, uh, early on in life and when did addiction uh, start and uh, and alcoholism really start to take hold for you and then uh, talk about what it was like for you in order what what did it take for you to get that gift of desperation and start to recover and then you know what what life is like now so let's start at the beginning i mean uh, you can start wherever you want if you want to start in diapers we can do that so this is, <laughs> this is all about well, you brother i don't think i have
1: to go back that far um i, I suppose that uh to some extent uh, being exposed to alcohol the way i was uh through um my my parents uh was probably the start of of at least the feeling that it was okay to drink right um Uh, my, uh, my mom, uh, went through two marriages and, and both, uh, were, were alcoholics. My, my real father, uh, left when I think I was about five years old and, and, uh, he, uh, he stayed drunk pretty much his whole life. And right up until, uh, he got to the point where he was too ill to carry on drinking. Uh, and then she, uh, so, so after he left, she remarried and, and, and she remarried another alcoholic, go figure, Right. So, uh, so yeah, I was exposed uh, pretty early on to um, both the, the, the good and the bad uh, of, of alcohol, um, at least what, 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 from my viewpoint, looked like good at, at the beginning, uh, which would, of course, turn out to be uh, extremely bad for me uh, as time went on. Uh, was your mom... An alcoholic? No, mom was not. No, okay. she uh, she had periods where she would drink a little bit. You know, uh, she she went through a phase where uh, she had to have her rum and coke at five o'clock at night, and she'd have two or three of those, and and then that was it for her. Um, and then I think she kind of got to the point where she, where she didn't even like to do that because she just saw uh, all the bad things that were going on with with her relationship with her with with my stepfather at the time, and uh, I, I think she felt that she didn't need to encourage his. <laughs> His drinking by doing that right along with him. So, um, so yeah, she she was a she was a rock. Mom mom was uh, always there for me. Uh, I, I respect her a lot. And I and I, if I have one regret, it, it's that I didn't get a chance to, or she didn't get a chance to see me sober. She she passed away before I finally got uh, got cleaned up. But uh, uh, yeah, so early on, uh, I suppose uh, my first real drinking started when I was probably around early teens 13 14
0: what was that like for you so you have your first drink at 13 14 i can relate to that my first drink was when i was 14 yeah how did that f- feel that first drink did it, was it a memorable experience for no you? you know i don't remember a lot about
1: it. i just I, I i remember sneaking some booze out of mom and dad's uh liquor cabinet uh I think I recall that it, I didn't like the taste of it a whole lot. It's probably because I was drinking something stupid like Frangelica or, or some <laughs> cream dement or something like that, because they always had that stuff around, right? Right. Uh, so I don't I don't recall a getting uh, like inebriated uh, from, from it. Uh, nor do I recall uh, particularly enjoying it at that point. But it was, uh, there was, you know, to me, there was sort of a mystery about it, you know, sort of that, that, ooh, I'm sneaking behind mom and dad's back and, and drinking a little bit of alcohol and, and acting like an adult, you know. So there was that whole uh, feeling. I think the first serious uh, drinking I did was when I was probably about 16. I was hanging out with a pretty uh, crazy bunch of guys uh, they were actually a lot older than me. I, I for whatever reason, I, I gravitated towards uh, when I was a freshman in high school towards the senior guys that that I knew and, 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 and got me into a lot of trouble, but, uh, I had a hell of a lot of fun hanging out with them, Right. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think that, that right around 16, 17 is when I seriously started to, to drink, to get drunk and, and to get that feeling that you, that you, that you liked so much back in the, in, in the early days of, of drinking, right. Uh, it made you, uh, do crazy things and made you kind of fit into the crowd and, and gave you all those, uh, those feelings that, uh, that we thought were were good
0: things. So you talk about fitting in, and you talk about that feeling, that unmistakable feeling that many of us get that are uh, uh, of the alcoholic or addict type, or, type or, or variety. You know, for me, when I drank, the first time I drank and got drunk, it was such a memorable experience. It was, this is it. This yeah. is what I've been looking for. Absolutely. And this is this is exactly the way I've been wanting to feel. It released me from all of the burden that I was carrying at a young 14-year-old age, and you came from a family clearly that, you know, uh, took a toll in terms of your uh, overall well-being. Yeah, you know, from from the outset, uh, from the very first time, I
1: I think that I seriously got, um, you know, got my mind bent a little bit by, by doing alcohol, uh, from that point on throughout the rest of my life, I searched for that that feeling that I could get where I was sort of like out of my own head and out of my own, um, my own way, if you will. Uh, I snuck drugs from my mom and my, my oldest sister a lot just, and not even knowing what they were, but I would take them just to see what kind of a feeling they'd give me. And uh, so, um, I, you know, there's this uh, propensity for me to to want to numb myself down for whatever reason that was. And uh, and, and that's kind of been, a, uh, I think, a common
0: thread throughout my entire life, my, my, my addictive life anyway. You drink for the first time, you get drunk for the first time, you feel that feeling that only alcohol can give you and later drugs gave you a feeling that only drugs could give you. And it, it, do you feel like, looking back, that a switch was turned on? Uh, Yeah, and and I think that switch got turned fully on in college. Um,
1: You know, I I experimented around a little bit with some with things, you know, like cocaine and and some speed and 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 of course marijuana. uh, Prior to going into college, but it wasn't until I got into college where things really went off the rails, and uh, I was exposed to just about everything that you could possibly uh, uh, get in the in the in the drug uh, spectrum. Uh, as well as a lot of heavy drinking, which, which a lot of college kids seem to seem to do. And, uh, and so, you know, that's where I think uh, uh, things really got uh, turned around for me. I, I think you know, I always told people, and I still believe it to this day, that my experiences on acid fundamentally changed the way I think about the world and things around me. And, uh, and I, and I, I still firmly believe that I think I've gotten a handle on it better than I used to, but, but I do believe that there was a sort of, like you said, a switch that got turned on when I did some of the more powerful drugs that were available back in those days. Uh, so, uh, whether that had anything to do with my later, uh, addictions or whatever, I, I don't know, but I, I'm sure it didn't, uh, didn't help any.
0: <laughs> you are in college, and college is a horrible place to try to identify if you're an alcoholic Hmm. because, like you said, a lot of people are drinking a lot. Yep. And regularly and to excess. So as your drinking progressed, it sounds like really it was kind of an escape, uh, a a, a primarily escape in high school, and you get into college, and and tell me about... As looking back, how that switch, how do you identify that progression? I, for me, my disease was extremely progressive throughout my active use. Was it like that for you? Yeah, and did you see it, it was.
1: It was. And, and you know, what's, what's odd is I can... Um, so let's let's move forward a few years. And I flunked out of college. I went one year, and, and they, they asked me uh, not to come back anymore. And uh, so I uh, got a job. Um, and, and fell right into a really, a really good job in, in software development and, uh, and, and just had a, uh, uh, an easy time doing that. And i my, my mind, I guess, is just geared towards that kind of technology. But, um, uh, I, I knew when I, when I, I can clearly remember, um, Back in my high school days, I hung out with a guy who told me that his dad drank six beers a night, and he and and we were, at that point we were just like, "Holy crap! You got to be kidding me!" That's you got to. I mean, really. And so <laughs> I can remember a time when I was probably about twenty-two or three. I was living with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, and I was on my about sixth beer for the night, and I'm sitting there grabbing it out of the refrigerator, thinking to myself, "Holy hell! I'm right there that this guy." we were talking about when I was that age was at, right? And and we thought it was so astounding that he would drink six beers a night. And I'm doing this every night. And so I think at that point, it was like I kind of knew I had a problem, but I didn't face up to that problem for a long, long time. I mean, you know, and, and I had to go through a lot before that finally kind of sunk
0: in. That's a really... Interesting thing that you bring up, because looking back at my active use, some of those same things came up. This isn't, this doesn't seem normal, <laughs> yeah. this amount of consumption Right. doesn't, I, I know this isn't normal. Yeah, yeah. Now I've got a problem, though, because I'm not, I wasn't at a place for, as you alluded to, for a long, long time where I was able to face... That problem, I was just started to get an inkling that maybe I am not drinking normally. But what I derive out of this is so important to me at this point, mm-hmm. and it does so much for me at least at that point in time that I can't even consider not drinking. I yeah. mean, that's not even that's not even a a thought like yeah, not a thought at all. Yeah. And, and, you know, what, what's
1: really, uh, I guess what, what sort of the nail in the coffin for me was that I, I got involved in, in drugs, a lot of, a lot of drug use, uh, um, you know, meth, methamphetamines and cocaine particularly. And, uh, those only make you want to drink more. Uh, so it Because was, you don't have that same effect. Tell me why. Well, you know, I'm not even sure why. I think because you can, I mean, the more speed I did, uh, the more Coke I did, the more I wanted to drink because the better I felt. And I mean, you could literally drink a case of beer when you were doing meth and not even feel it, but feel this tremendous high that you get. And so you're always chasing that high, you know, and that's that for me, that's what it was all about, is chasing that high. And I did that for a long time. Well, you always trying to get to a certain place? And uh, did you feel I, like you over? Yeah, I don't know what that place, place is, though. Yeah. I don't know what that place is. And, you know, if, if you knew what the place was, you'd stop, right? Right. So, uh, you know, not knowing what that place was, there were times when I've damn near killed myself, you right. know, trying to trying to get to that place, whatever that place was in my head. Uh, I can, you know, I, I can't count on on both hands and both feet the number of times that I felt like I was close to ODing on something or, or another, you know, chasing whatever. that yeah. feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and th- you know, the 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 other side of that whole story is is the uh the tremendous hangovers that you would have from from when, when you finally ran out of your drugs and and you really didn't want to drink anymore because you didn't have the drugs that you, you had and, and then you had to clean yourself up for a, a while, however, that, however long that was, a day or two or three or five. And then you just go right back to it.
0: You know, there was no really, for me, no escaping it at that point. Were there periods where you wanted to stop or you felt like you were getting to a place where it was getting out of control or were there external factors that were starting to crop up that indicated that there was a lack of control? Yeah,
1: you know, there there were two phases of my life that I went through. Uh, let's call them the meth phase and the coke phase because the, both of those I got addicted to, strongly addicted to uh meth doesn't take long i mean i i I was addicted to meth in within six months uh and and doing it every day solid every day every week every every hour almost and uh and i finally got to the point where i knew there was something had to be done because i was ruining my life and i was trying to raise kids and and trying to maintain a job and trying to have a, a relationship with my wife and none of it was really working out very well uh so i had to make a physical like relocation change um to get away from, from that. And I did, and, uh, uh, and that worked. Um, I was far enough away that I couldn't, I couldn't get it, and I didn't try to go out of my way to find it in the new place that we, uh, we moved to. And my career took off. I had a, I had a, great, uh, a great experience there for, for a number of years, and then I ran into some people that had Coke, and I started doing that. And then I spent probably six or eight years of uh, just falling back down into that rabbit hole again uh, except on coke this time.
0: Tell me about that thought process. I think for your wife's a normie. Yep. She probably looks at you like you're a Martian, because maybe you you had the problem with the meth, and it got out of control. And just I'm thinking from an outside perspective, why would you even try coke?
1: Well, you know she's she's no angel. <laughs> she she did some coke right along with me, and she got did it. some meth right along with uh-huh. me. So so there uh-huh. was it's not like, but she did it socially. Well, she did, yeah. She, you know there 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 were a number of times when I did way more than she ever knew about, and and, and so of course I, that's the deal, right? That's the deal, right? If I if I've got it, I'm doing I'm doing all of mine and probably all of yours if it's there. That's right? correct, but I'm
0: only going to let you see a certain amount that I'm doing, so it appears right. as though we're doing the same amount. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, uh, yes, she would, she would do it. And I think that fueled my, my, uh, wanting to do it because, you know, things were better when you were both doing coke or doing whatever math or whatever, right. Uh, at least temporarily anyway. But the downside to that is, is, uh, is of course just the, the horrendous, uh, back end of it, of it, you know, trying to deal with the, Uh, I used to wake up the next morning after doing uh, a whole bunch of coke the night before and just look at myself in the mirror and and think, Jesus, what a waste of life. What an absolute waste of life. And yet, that wasn't enough to stop uh, stop me from from doing it again another day, the next day, day after, two days down the road, whatever.
0: At that point, the disease has progressed to the point where the ability to choose the ability to exercise willpower ceases to be enough to conquer the addiction
1: to some extent uh for me that was true however uh in about the year 2000 uh i had decided i'd had enough of of coke and, and i quit and my wife and I both quit. We made a conscious decision, talked about it, and and we and we quit, and we we sort of disassociated ourselves with all the people that we, uh, were dealing with that that had that or could get it for us, and and that worked. And I actually quit quit and haven't done it since, um, you know. But the the problem is is that the two drugs that that I never considered to be an issue were marijuana and alcohol, and those stuck with me. And, and I didn't uh, I didn't ever think that those were a problem. you know, not, I mean, I, I guess I knew I had a drinking problem, but I, I didn't want to quit. I didn't think it was to the point where it was ruining my life. It was taking anything away from me.
0: Uh, that came later. And, and that came in a big way. I think that's a really powerful thing that you just said because, Many who may be in a position where they feel like drugs are getting the best of them, and if I just quit using, um, I can drink, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But for you, that definitely wasn't the case. But it, but it appeared in the beginning that it was the case. That I never had a real problem with alcohol. (laughs) Yeah, I partied when I was in high school and college, but it didn't dominate my uh, adulthood. to this point so i'll cut the hard stuff out and i will uh i'll drink and that'll be okay and i can smoke a little weed and that'll be fine that's not a problem weed's not addictive it's natural man yeah yeah and and i can't count the number of times that i told my wife that i will I,
1: i may quit drinking but i'll never stop smoking pot i will never ever stop smoking weed and uh and and you know really uh As you go through this whole thing of trying to figure out a way to get yourself sober before you get into a recovery program, you'll try anything to stop. You know, if you get to that point where you want to try to do it yourself, uh, I would I would say, well, I'm just going to smoke weed and that's it. And then, of course, weed would lead me right back to beer and beer would lead me right back to hard alcohol and hard alcohol would lead me right back into the shithole again. So excuse my language. So uh, we don't edit here. It's okay to swear. (laughs) So, so yeah, it it was a, it it was a vicious cycle that you, you really can't get yourself out of, you know, at least I haven't seen very many people that could, that could do it by themselves anyway. I certainly could not.
0: What things did so you tried to you know drink maybe only beer or you saw maybe I'll just smoke oh, weed you know, you, you know read the big, free the big right, book right exactly, there's a whole right. chapter on it I mean yeah. you, you yeah. tried to yeah.
1: only drink on weekends that's you only, right only have a drink after five o'clock you that's only right. drink beer I'll only drink scotch I won't drink scotch with water I'll just drink drink it straight or that's I'll, right or I'll switch to a certain whiskey that I think I don't get hangovers on or. Whatever. You know, I mean, there's there's probably a half a dozen or more ways that that everybody tries to to figure out a way to do it on their own. And, you know, some people are successful. Some people just quit cold turkey and never drink again. I wasn't one of those that could do that. Uh, never did figure out a way. I'll tell you what, I in probably ninety one or so, I tried to quit on my own. And no, I guess it was more like '95, '96. I tried to quit on my own. I went six months without a drink. I was the most miserable son of
0: a bitch you've ever met in your life. <laughs> you know, they always There's a story that if you take a drunk horse thief and you sober him up, what do you got? A fucking horse thief. Yeah, just a horse thief. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, so if we're in uh, a place where uh, life is not going well... Um, we're uh, using drugs and alcohol to cope with uh, life and you take away that drug or that alcohol, it becomes incredibly difficult to be able to operate on a day-to-day basis because the one thing that got us through, the one thing that I could depend on over and over and over again was alcohol in the end and you know are they on drugs?
1: Mm. Well, well my answer when I when I tried to get sober myself, my answer to that was stop drinking. Keep yourself as busy as you possibly can throughout the day. And, and I wasn't working then and not because I couldn't, just because I, I had decided to take some time off. Uh, I had the means to be able to do that. Uh, and I said, you know, okay, I'm gonna quit drinking. my wife was giving me some pressure about it, so fine, I'll quit. Uh, I'll be a miserable son of a bitch all day long because I'm going to be doing stuff, you know, just to keep me busy, whether it's working around the yard or working on the house or playing golf or whatever. And I'm going to go to bed early every night because I don't want to have to sit around and think about it before, you know, and and deal with it. So uh, literally, uh, my wife thought I just disappeared. I mean, because I really wasn't talking to anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to do my thing and go to bed. That's all I wanted to do, and I did that for about six months. That's
0: a tough way to live.
1: It is, you know. My wife hated me. She just absolutely hated me, and uh, and that's no way to try to get sober either. I mean, if if I might as well have just been drinking. Honest, honestly, that's just not a life. If if you're going to try to have a life, that's not the way to do it.
0: So you've tried to switch up your, uh, your, your drugs and you tried to moderate and you tried to substitute and you tried to, uh, quick Turkey and none of those things worked for you. No. So I went right back at it for about another 20 years, actually, I think from 95
1: to about, uh, 2000, well, more than 20 years, 95 to, uh, no, I'm sorry, 2000. 2012, I got sober. So from about 95 to 2012, I I continued to drink and drink heavily. And uh, it got progressively worse. Um, I was traveling. My job required me to travel, and and I was out of town almost uh, every week, uh, Monday through Friday, just about every single week of the year. Uh, and so consequently I was only accountable for me and, and I'm not a very good person to be accountable for myself. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't do well in that environment. I have, I'm not a very structured individual. So
0: adult supervision required is yeah, the sticker that yeah, needs to ab- go absolutely. on my
1: forehead. And I certainly is, was not an adult. <laughs> uh, and there's questionable days where, where I'm still not sure I'm a completely an adult, but uh, I yeah so if I was uh, on the road uh, you know I was I went out of my way to stay at NBC, embassy Suites hotels because they had the cap the, the manager's hour from five o'clock to seven it was free booze all you could drink uh, so I just get completely hammered uh, as soon as I got out, out of the bank I was working at and and uh, and go back to the hotel and drink and if I and if I didn't do that I had a bottle in my room absolutely had a bottle every single a place I stayed uh, that, you know, it was funny as you get off the airplane, the first thing you, I would do is look for a liquor store. Very first stop. It had to be. And if I didn't find a liquor store, I was pretty upset. I was not, I was not a happy camper. Uh, And so, you know, that kind of gives you a picture of where, where my head was most of the time. Close to quitting time. Did you ever get that? The, the itch started? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because for the longest time I didn't drink at all during the day.
0: And uh, and
1: yeah, by five I was just jumping out of my skin wanting to have a drink.
0: We make these rules for ourselves. I made rules for myself. I'm never gonna do. I'm never gonna drink. Every day. Yep. Well, it happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not going to drink and drive. Well, that happened. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to drink during work. Well, that happened. Is that, can you I start to identify where, you know, you're making those standards and you're drawing those lines in the stand, sand where you say, this just, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah, you know. I the, can't do this. The, the and drink, then you find yourself
1: doing it. The drinking and driving thing, uh, I, I never had that standard. I, I did that my whole life. Uh, fortunately, I never got caught. But... Um, you know, that I, I'm ashamed of that, actually. I mean, that I could have killed somebody just as easily as, uh, as the next guy. Um, the, the drink every day thing, yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a threshold that I didn't want to cross that I did. Uh, the drinking at work, that was a big threshold that I did not want to cross, and I, and I ultimately did. And, uh, uh, yeah, it got so bad that I was polishing off probably a fifth of, of booze uh, during a work day uh, at, at a customer site out of town. Um, that's how bad it was. I mean, I literally at the end was, uh, was waking up, um, in the middle of the night and guzzling down enough alcohol to get me back to sleep, to sleep a few more hours, to wake up and do the same thing. Uh, I would wake up in the morning and be so sick that I couldn't get into work, uh, until I drank a bunch or, or, uh, managed to, um, sort of limp my way to a liquor store somehow uh, and and walk in without you know falling over hopefully and uh, getting another bottle and then continuing the the the, the whole process so um, it was a pretty deep dark place there towards the end and uh, finally that that job went away um, you know I got nothing to no one to blame except myself I, I was drunk and and they knew it um, now, the gal that I was working for on that contract said that, uh, that the contract was, was done and there was no more work. But after, I talked to her after I got sober, and she said, yeah, I knew you were drunk every day, and, and I couldn't do it anymore, right? So then I came home, and then I just sat at home and did the same thing all day long, all night long. And that went on for months until uh, my wife finally convinced me to go into treatment. And I went into treatment, I think, March of 2011. Uh, and that didn't work very well. Uh, well, I, it worked for about six months uh, after I got out. I, I, I tried to do the right things. I, I had a sponsor, uh, but I didn't call him, and, uh, and I didn't go to meetings and, uh, you know, all the usual things, right? You just stop doing that stuff. And before you know it, you're right back to, to that point where you say, you know what, I can have a beer or two. And then pretty soon it's you know what I can have a I can have some hard liquor and then you're right back in the in the game
0: again right? I so. call that guy Chuck. He's my uh, alter ego of my disease, and he tells me those things. Yeah, he tells me you don't really need to go to a meeting anymore. I mean. It's cool for those guys, and I'm glad those folks have that cute little meeting for themselves because clearly they need it. <laughs> but I don't really need that. Yeah. And, you know, this praying thing and this calling the sponsor, that's not really my jam. You right. know, I, I can do this. Right. I clearly stayed sober for six consecutive days all on my own. I can do this and one drink isn't going to kill me but the problem is once we cross that threshold and the and the big book talks about this and what a, a book that is that was so far beyond its time I can't even begin to wrap my head around it that once we reach that cross that point into full blown alcoholism or addiction we no longer have the ability to predict once we start when we're going to stop because we've got a disease of the mind and we've got a disease of the body so i obsess about it i obsess about it i need i need it i need it it's all i can think about even if i'm not doing it you said you were sober for six months i had since the sobriety too of dry time i shouldn't really call it sobriety dry time where i wasn't using or drinking but it is all i thought about yep and, and you know that's that's true for
1: for almost anybody that uh, that's newly sober. Uh, I don't think that obsession goes away uh, very quickly. It, it's something that has to come on its own time and its own terms. And um, it's a
0: byproduct of doing just other things. Doing the things, doing like the you, things that you got to do. It's not about right. I'm going to. Th- to to will this obsession away. I right. I was never able to will my obsession away. I tried that for 25 years. Mm-hmm. I couldn't will it away. Yep. I couldn't. You know,
1: what's what's really odd when I think back to the, the couple of times I went through treatment and the and the time the, the time I the first time I went through and the, and then the decision that I made to drink again after that is is I think about that and I th- and I put myself in my wife's position. Now, I had just gone to a job interview. This is maybe three or four months down down the road after having been in treatment, and I was doing all the right things, right? I'm journaling every night. I'm calling my sponsor. I'm going to meetings. Uh, I think it's probably only going to maybe one or two meetings a week, uh, which which I don't think for most people that are new to the program is enough. Uh, But um, I went to a job interview. I got done. I thought I just killed it, right? And so I go out to the parking lot. My car won't start. And so I called my wife and I said, you're going to have to come and jump me because I think the battery's dead. So she's 30 miles away, 25 miles away, Apple Valley, downtown Minneapolis. Right. So uh, she she, I knew she was going to be about a half hour, 40 minutes to get in there. And right across the street is a is a, a burger joint, which I'm pretty sure they serve beer at. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course, I'm not thinking that, you know, not at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I go over there and sit down, and I and I have a burger, and I and I think, well, I'll just have a beer, just one, you know. That's there's no harm in that, right? And then there's I have, a story just like that in the big book. Yeah, and then it's I have just like then that. I have one, and I, then I have another because I thought, well, that first one, you know, and that was, didn't kill me. That, that, that was just to get the burger washed that's out. Right. Yeah, this one's this one's just to you know, celebrate my good interview I just had. So my wife picks me up, and and I'm tell i honest with her. I said, hey, I just had a couple of beers, and she just kind of looked at me funny, and I'm like, so we're going to stop at the liquor store on the way home. Now, if I'm her, I would have stopped the vehicle and kicked my ass straight out, but she didn't,
0: and she stopped at the liquor store. You Uh, said your wife was no saint. I might start to disagree with you based on her tolerance level at this point. Well, she is a saint.
1: Uh, and, 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 I, and I wish she, uh, was a little, wish she would have been a little bit tougher on me, but ultimately she got that way. Right. Uh, after seeing me go through treatment once and seeing me start to get, uh, right. And then seeing me fall right back down into the same rabbit hole again. Um, I think her, her patience had run out. And uh, it got serious. I mean, it got serious to where I thought she was going to leave me. And she pretty much said, if you don't, if you don't get sobered up, I, I can't guarantee you I'm going to stick around anymore. So, you know, there was that. There was the, the loss of the job. Uh, there was uh, my, my youngest son hated my guts. Uh, my daughter um, was having her own issues with drugs and alcohol, and uh, I couldn't do anything about it because look where I was. Um My oldest son uh, hated me and didn't want me around his grandson or my grandson, his son, anymore because he was four or five years old and how can you trust me if I'm drunk all the time? Uh, you know, so, uh, and, and, I, and I'm in and out of the hospital with pancreatitis. Uh, I think I was in the hospital six times the last, last year or so,
0: maybe five. Um, so this thing that in the beginning was everything that we had been looking for, everything that you had been looking for in terms of uh, being free of the uh, burden of self. It got you out of you, and you were always looking for that escape button, and that's exactly, that eject button was, that that was my jam. I I hit the eject button on life consistently, all the time. Yep. And in the end, you are... Faced with a situation where the disease really robbed you of much of or all of what was meaningful.
1: Well, not only that, but it, but it also took away the choice that I had to, to, to whether I wanted to drink or not. You know, at the end, I didn't have a choice. I had to drink. Um, it was either that or, or, or in my mind, die. Uh, detox was not an option, at least not on my own, because I, I was too sick. I mean, literally, uh, if I stopped drinking, I was I was vomiting my guts out and shaking like so bad that I couldn't hold a pencil in my hand, uh, couldn't dial a phone, I couldn't, I could barely stand up long enough to take a shower. So uh, it it took it took every choice I had away. I, I reached that level in my life where I said, I got to do something, or I'm I'm going to die and i mean literally i was close to that i really was i, I think i if i would have continued
0: on i probably would not be here today we stood at that turning point that moment where we can't continue to go on the way we're going but we can't stop All right no that's choice a, no that's choice a, that's a that's a horrible awful place to be yep
1: that's, des- that's what we call desperation, and, and, and I tell anybody that I, that I work with in this program that, that, that can't get sober, I just look at them and say, I wish you the gift of, of desperation. I really do, because that's the only thing that's going to make you want to do this for yourself. Um, I can't do it for you, and nobody can do it for you. You have to make the decision on your own to do it, and, and you have to have been driven to that point by some event. Or, or, or series of events.
0: And the big book talks about low bottom drunks and high bottom. And everybody's bottom, everybody's is, different. bottom is different. It's all
1: different. And, and, and the I, true
0: bottom is when you die. Well, yeah. And then there's some derivative of a, of a higher bottom, depending on uh, whatever it takes for us personally to be able to get that gift of desperation and say, I cannot continue to live like this anymore. Right but I don't know how to stop, yep. and I've tried, yep. and it just doesn't work. So my option was
1: treatment, and that's where I went a second time. And uh, and, and I think the difference, and my wife even asked me, she said, what? I, I told her after I was in there a week or so, I said, this just feels different. She says, well, what's, what's so different about it? And I said, I don't know, but I just feel like, like I, I think I've turned a corner here. And I don't know what that was, although I will tell you that about a week into my second treatment, uh, we went to a church service, and uh, I watched. I, I listened to a pastor who was in from California talk about. Um, he talked about uh, how he had run into some um, some Hispanic guys at the at the airport. He, his ride had, had hadn't showed up or something, and and they offered to give him a ride. And he's thinking to himself, "Man, these guys look kind of shady, right?" And uh, so he 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 was a a pastor and he figured well they're probably not going to beat up a pastor right so he took a ride with him and on the way home they talked about uh about their life and and uh and the kind of background that they came from which was filled with drugs and alcohol and 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 crime and shootings and how they were trying to break that cycle how they were trying to set an example for their kids and how they were trying to be you know a shiny beacon of of what's good uh in 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 a human being and I thought to myself when I heard that pastor talk that I haven't been doing that for—I'm for, 54 years old at that point. I haven't been doing that for 54 years. I have not been a good example of what a human being should be for anyone. And I think that set me on a path of, of trying to find a higher power, trying to figure out how to work with that higher power to, uh, to help me— um, uh, not exert my will, but but follow another person's will, and, and maybe follow some footsteps that that would bring me to that point of of where I felt good about myself and felt like I was actually giving back to society.
0: So, in step one, really, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And that was a step that I had such a hard time with. In fact, it took all of 25 plus years to get there, to get to step one. But I'm a true believer that in order to really, truly recover, well, for me, I can only speak for me, that I did step one before I walked in the second time. That I had fully conceded to my innermost self that I was an addict and an alcoholic. And that my life was unmanageable. That surrender, that full 100% complete surrender. I had completely surrendered. Can you identify with that? I I had, I think, also pretty much was
1: able to bypass that step. Um, You know, we, we did a lot of studying. You know, this treatment center that I went to is a little different than most that I've heard of. A lot of them try to get you through as many steps as they can. Ours was more focused on getting through the first three and doing a good job on them. And I think that was very important, especially for me, because I had to figure out how to, uh, how to find a higher power that I could rely on and that I, that I could, um, uh, that I could uh, figure out a way to, to, um, to get out of my own head and, and, and to follow some other path than the path that I had been following for my whole life.
0: And that makes sense because our fundamental problem... Is a lack of power. We're powerless over our disease, so we need to find a power greater than ourselves that can help restore us. Right. Right. Because we know we've been licked. We know we can't do this on our own. We're done. We've tried. We've tried. We've tried everything we possibly could. We're done. Yep. Now we need to find an, a, another power. And the
1: big thing that they that they hammered into us uh, hard in treatment was uh, was you got to do this for yourself. You know and. And I agree with that. Now, my counselor also said that there are going to be a lot of reasons why you want to get sober. There might be your wife. There might be your kids. There might be a job. There might be a girlfriend, whatever it is in your life. And he said, and those are all good reasons. And use every single one of those because they're all good reasons. Uh, but don't discount the fact that you've got to do it for yourself. It's It's got to come from within you, uh, and, and you have to have the desire to get sober. And I did. Uh, the second time around, I did. Now, I, I, I will tell uh, tell you this, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but for the first six months, I took abuse. And you did tell me that. Because I did not uh, feel that I was going to... Uh, I, I just didn't trust myself. I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. I just did not trust myself. And I figured, well, anything I can do to keep me from drinking, at least for the first six months, is great. Right. That's a
0: tool. It's a tool. It that was a tool, and I use used it. in recovery. Used Absolutely. It. Not
1: everybody could do that, uh, but but I I I recommend it. Uh, it it got me through those first six months. Anytime I had an obsession, I would think to myself, Yeah, you go drink and you're going to start puking. Great idea, right? So it, it's a, a lot de- sooner than you normally would. Be. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a deterrent. It, <laughs> right. That's all it is. It's a deterrent. It's not, it's not the end all be all, but it is, it is another tool in your tool bag that, that you uh, shouldn't ignore if you, uh, if you feel that that's one of the things you need to use. Um, but fundamentally, I, I just did all the things I needed to do. I, I, I worked on the, I got a good sponsor. Um, I, uh, I went to a bunch of meetings. I was probably going to five or f- more meetings a week. Um, I was journaling every night. Uh, I was, uh, you know, doing my prayers and, and, uh, reading my big book and, uh, reading grapevine and doing any kind of service work I get, could get my hands on. Uh, I think I chaired a meeting three months into my second stint in, in sobriety, which, you know, is kind of rare because a lot of the meetings want you to have a year Never of sobriety year. behind you, but, yeah. uh. Uh, the folks over at the, one of the groups that I go to were, were nice enough to let me do that. So, you know, those, those things, uh, all help. You were willing to go to any lengths. I was willing to go to any length and and I was willing to, uh, not just step, not just put a big toe into the program. I was, I was willing to put both feet in fully. And, uh, and that's, that's the big difference for me was I said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it in a big way and I'm going to keep doing it as long as i
0: live you got the gift of desperation step 1 happened as a result of your uh, surrender for me that was god doing for me what i the first real and, and as i look back you know god's been with me the whole time he's been in me the whole time i just didn't know where to look and he gave me that gift of desperation. He gave you that de- gift of desperation. You start doing whatever it takes. You know, For me, I started looking at people that had what I wanted. Yep. And I started doing what they were doing. You had what I wanted. I started doing what you were doing. I took every suggestion that you had and I did it. Yep. And I didn't question it. I just did it. And I didn't do it because for any other reason than I felt like I needed to be doing something to try to get better, even if I didn't understand what I was doing, even if I didn't get it conceptually or feel like it was having any immediate impact. I just did it because there was people in these rooms that were saying, and for the first time in my life, instead of comparing, I was identifying with the... uh, folks in the room and they were saying, I felt like you. I, 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 I felt exactly like you. I drank like you. Yep. I used like you and, and I got better. Yep. And I, you know, I surrounded
1: myself with a lot of, a lot of people, uh, that had a lot of sobriety. Um, I think it, it was important for me to, uh, to have that accountability to some of these people that I knew cared about my sobriety and that had a lot of sobriety behind them. And I listened closely. I I listened very closely to a lot of the things that they said and a lot of the antidotes that they had, uh, with their, uh, success in sobriety and recovery. And I looked at the lives that they were leading and I said, I want that. You know, I was just like you, Charlie. I, I really wanted what they had. And, uh, and, and I was going to go to any lengths it, it took to, to try to get that for myself. And I tell you what, I'm a much happier person than I've ever been in my 58 uh, years on this planet. Um, so uh, it works if you work
0: it. It really does. What's life like for you today, brother? I mean, you come from a point where literally you're staring at death. Like- and your, uh, your wife is about to to go fuck off yeah and your two of your kids hate your guts yep. one is in the midst of her own addiction yep lost a job yep what's life like for you now
1: uh you know it, it's uh well obviously it's 180 degrees right um my wife and i have probably a stronger relationship than, we, than we've had ever uh which is good um we, we, we talk things out now. We, we don't just bury them in the sand and, and try to bury our heads and, and move on. We, we actually discuss things and get through it, like adults, which is really odd for me. It's a novel idea. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Uh, my, my relationship with my kids is good. Uh, my daughter is uh, in recovery herself. She has been for three years now. Um, so proud of her. She's uh, got a good job and, and lives with, uh, with a, a, a fine young gentleman in uh, Alabama. Uh, my oldest boy—I uh, won't hold that Alabama thing old. against him. <laughs> my oldest son has uh, has uh, um, regained trust in me. Uh, I, I now spend a lot of time with my grandson, who I love dearly. Um, my youngest son and I—we're uh, we're working that through. It's it's better. It's better than it has been. Um, he's got his own issues, but. Um, that's, you know, stuff that he's working through and I'm working through with him and, and we talk now. So that, that's all good. I view that as a, as a win.
0: It's uh, not all sunshine and rainbows though. We have hard days, right? Like oh, in yeah, recovery, absolutely. like absolutely. Uh, do you have shitty days? And yeah, you know, <laughs> but the, but the shittiest day <laughs> I have is still, is
1: still, uh, better than the best day I had when I was, when I was in that, that, uh, the throes of, uh, of drinking. Um, uh, yeah, I have bad days. Sure. You know, I, I, there There are days where I get into a bit of a funk. Um, but you know what helps that is a, a meeting, you know, and I was telling you earlier, Charlie, uh, if I get to that point where I where I think to myself, eh, I'm going to skip this meeting tonight, man, that's the, that's, for me, that's a big red flag that says you need to get to this meeting because uh, you're thinking about that stuff, about not going. And that that's just a, that's, for me, that's a signal. If, if I, if i begin to think that then i think to myself well i guess now i really got to go because that's a that's a bad sign so
0: the rationalization machine starts it starts working yeah Yeah. absolutely and and you know that thing that's a slippery slope that that guy is
1: patient man he will sit there on your shoulder for your entire life and he'll he's out there in the parking lot doing push-ups while you're while you're screwing around and uh if you let that guy in at all he he'll he'll beat your ass he will kick your ass and take you right back down that same path do you again. have
0: any illusion that if you were to god forbid go back out relapse that it would just pick right back up where you left off well yeah
1: i i, I absolutely know it would um i don't have a doubt in my mind that it would uh i you know uh, i'd never i'll never say never because i think that's a that's a um it's candy coating this disease that we have. Uh, this disease is, is something that, that I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer that it's going to be with me until the day I die. We're never cured. There is no cure for this. There is recovery and recovery is lifelong. And uh, I, as long as I continue to do the things that I do today on a daily basis, I'll be fine. Uh, I don't get too far ahead of myself, though. I really worry about, let's get through this day. Let's get let's get my head on the pillow tonight, and tomorrow's another day, and we'll deal with that one when it comes. So the promises really
0: came true for you? Absolutely. Every single one of them. That, to me, and when I look back at my recovery, and if you were to tell me that there'd be a point in my life where I would be free of the obsession, I would have told you you're absolutely out of your fucking mind. Yeah. Out
1: of your mind. Oh, yeah. I absolutely would have, too. There, There's no doubt in my mind that 10, 8 years ago, if you told me I'd be where I am right now, I would have just laughed at you and said, yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Maybe for you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, maybe for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But not for me. And that's that terminal uniqueness that I carried. And I really thought that I was that guy. You know, you read the, uh, how it works in chapter five. And it talks about those that are constitutionally incapable of being honest enough with themselves to get the simple program. See, I thought I was that guy. Yep. And it turns out a lot of us think <laughs> we're that person. <laughs> Until until we do, right? Yeah. Uh, So I found out that there was really nothing unique about my disease, that my disease is just like your disease, it manifests itself in different ways sometimes, different symptoms sometimes, and the stories vary somewhat. Yep. But the disease is the same, and what it does to us is the same, and the fundamental aspects of how we recover from this disease is the same we got sick the same way and we can recover in the same way
1: yeah and and that's the beauty of this program right is that you can get into a room with anybody that's been through what we've been through and uh, you all talk about the same things that that may have happened to you differently Uh, it may have manifested itself in different ways but fundamentally it's all the same thing it's 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 an addiction that took us down to the lowest level of our lives uh, that we have, by the grace of God and the program that we, uh, we follow, uh, I follow AA, uh, have got us back to the point where we, we can uh, live a normal life, as close to normal as I want to come anyway. So.
0: And for me, uh, finding God's will for me was so important. I found it so early on, and it was really, uh, you know, a uh, lot to do with your guidance because you really, really made it so simple for me. In terms of being able to get my head around this higher power because I wanted to complicate it and I didn't know how, how am I going to, how on earth am I going to create my own concept of God of your understanding is what it says, right? Are you kidding? I. I, How could I, I can't. Charlie, just pray. Just get down on your knees and just pray. And just start taking the actions And see what happens when you start just doing it. Even if you don't really believe it, just start doing it. Just start helping people. Just start working the steps. Just start praying. Don't ask questions. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. And then you'll look back at some point after you just started to do this stuff. And it might be three months, it might be six months, it might be nine months. And you're going to look back and you're going to be, and you're going to, the obsession's gone. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? I have uh, some basic understanding of a power greater than myself, and I think that he can help me, and I'm using him. How did that happen? I don't know. I can't tell you that. All I can tell you is that I started doing these things, and I changed. Yep, yeah,
1: and... You know that whole thing of the obsession going away—it does happen. And, and, and there's so many people that I talked to early on in this program that just think to themselves, or, or even say to me, "This is never going to go away." Uh, you know, guess what? It does. Uh, does it ever go completely away? Oh, hell no. No, there are still—I still, still have—I still have drinking dreams. I still have using dreams. Uh, there are times when I'll see an ad on television, or I'll see uh, someone with a beer in their hand. And I'll think to myself, hmm, that uh, would taste good, wouldn't it? Uh, but, you know, the, the things that have been instilled in me through this program uh, keep me from following through on those actions. And, and, and it's so easy to do now. It's not even like I have to force myself to stop thinking about it. I almost laugh, you know. Now, if I think about it, I'm just like, yeah, are right. right, yeah. yeah. Like you yeah. would really do that again, right? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. you yeah. throw all this yeah. away for right. that. Why? What would be the point? Um, there is no, uh, there is no reason in my mind to ever go back to that. Um, I just can't even in my wildest dreams imagine that happening. Will it? I don't know, and, and I don't worry about that on a day-to-day basis. Uh, like I said, I get through today and tomorrow's another day and we'll, we'll deal with
0: that when it comes. God's will for me, I believe, is to be of maximum service to the God of my understanding and the people around me. And you helped me do that today. For one more day, you helped me be of maximum service to uh, the God of my understanding and uh, the people around me. Uh, you uh, mean more to me than, you, than, than you'll ever know. Um, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. If you want to reach out to John for any reason, you have questions, you just liked what he said, you liked his story, you identified with something, please email the show, share at wayoutcast.com and I'll be sure to get John the message until next time. Thank you for being a part of The Way Out, where we share stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at WayOutcast.com. That's Wayoutcast, all one word.com. Or drop your host a friendly email at share at Wayoutcast.com. And there you can also find links to previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and podcast garden. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, contact me at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety day will